When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Oh, jeez. Good morning. <laughs> We're here for another episode of Awesome Etiquette, and Dan looks all spiffy. And TMI, I haven't showered. <laughs> but, but our podcast does come to you from Happy Valley, I mean the studios of Vermont Public Radio, and is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I am Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Representing it so very well this morning. As as wonderful Chris, our sound engineer, said, um, we have a do and a don't in the studio today. Dan representing the do. And it's so not fair because I'm going straight from here to a presentation. So I'm polished and buffed and shined and, and LP. I had some troubles at home this morning that ate up my morning. And unfortunately, I just literally had to get dressed and walk out the door so that's why <laughs> but official officially confessionally i was from the bed to my car in about 10 minutes this morning i, I woke up you pulled on the side. you don't no. need makeup you don't need a hair like but then well, stop by the hair, office not, to suit yeah. up and do all of the professional grooming so it's um <laughs> <laughs> i still feel gross <laughs> But anyway, it is lovely to be here it is, and to and be with you. It is, and it's actually a sunshiny morning here in Vermont, so we're very happy in our happy valley. And I heard while picking up my coffee that not tomorrow, but after that, a string of 60-plus days are Isn't in Isn't that our lovely? Future. And I'm going to Florida. The uh, weather finally gets nice <laughs> when I leave. What is up with that? That always happens. Adding insult to injury, I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> At any rate, this morning, I wanted to ask kind of a question to my big cousin. He's not my big brother, but he's my big cousin Dan. And it's more about, um, you know, in our work lives, it's easy to be the boss. It's easy to to know when you need to ask for something to be done the way you want it. But in your home life, it's not as comfortable a place, at least for me. I, you know, I'm not, I don't have a family, so it's not like I'm, you know, telling little kids all the time what they have to do and being a boss in that way. But, um, when I hire someone or when I'm tr- seeking to hire someone in my in my home life to do like work on my house or care or something like that, um, trying to figure out who you want to work with, what it's going to be like when you're working with them, when something goes wrong, yep. how do you still stand up for what you want done on this job versus what they're telling you or maybe because I don't always know whether something's possible possible for more money or just not what they feel like doing because they're tired. And so I'm we're really lucky that we have cousin Pete who's a contractor and can 
can kind of come over and be like, a phenomenal yeah, resource. That should be able to be done, no problem. It might cost you a little more, but that. And and I'm I'm really grateful to turn to him for that. But how do you handle it from an etiquette point of view? When you've got someone there who you've hired, you trust their professional opinion, or at least you've agreed to for the yeah. time you're going to be working with them, what do you do? You're, you're a project manager learning on the job. Yeah, right? Of a, of a project that you're a project manager of a project you have no experience with. And as a, a good friend said to me early on in my foray into home ownership, ah, the joys of home ownership. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's true. It's, it's a challenge that so many people face because you're, you're, you're dealing with something that is bigger than you. It's your house. And, um, and it takes some responsibility. They're financial implications and their social implications. How you treat people really matters and you want to take that seriously. And I hear I hear that in you as you navigate this process. And I happen to be someone who cares about people liking them. So it's like I'm not the one who can just be like, I'm only going to know you for six months. Bye-bye. Like yeah. I'm, I'm the one who's like, no, I want this to go well. I'd like us to be friendly. I'd like this to be a good experience on both ends. I, I think so often the like the foundation or the the grounding for that relationship is a little bit of confidence. Okay. And that's confidence in yourself that, that you either <laughs> confidence so that you, you can learn what you don't know and you're okay. willing to learn okay. that, that you're ultimately you, you are the decision maker. And yeah, you can take some confidence home. in that. And, and, and whether you're you're feeling like you're catching up a little bit or like someone's not quite where you want them to be mm-hmm. in the process. And, and it can be either of those two things. Sure, Having a little security just that ultimately it's you. You get to make the choice. No one's going to take that away from you. There's no way for them to wrest that control from you. <laughs> it's my house, darn it. It's my <laughs> house and my money. I, I, I don't want to make something I don't want to make. I don't want to get taken a direction I don't want to go. Well, and I also I don't want to get in over afterwards. my head. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and just trust yourself that you're going to be able to navigate that. You're going to learn as you go along. And you're a good person. I know how you deal with people. People but when and... someone's like disappointing you in that factor, how do you or if it's not going well or like, OK, so the part that I'm at in this is that I'm meeting with contractors and getting their opinions and their timetables and their estimates. And what's really hard is that, you know, I've had a couple who have really given me a lot of confidence and made it possible. But I have another who made me really wonder whether or not I would wind up with the job that I want. Mm. And obviously anyone in their right mind would say, oh, don't go with the one you're not confident in. And I agree with that. But he's also like incredibly honest, like really good. So maybe he's the person who's saying, you know, you really could run into these problems with those other guys too. That's what I don't know. That's I yeah. probably just need to bring in Pete to help me make my decision. But I've also gotten all these recommendations from friends and people that you and I know who like this one who and like, like that these one. people. And so it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't go with one of them, what's that going to be like? Like, well, what What do I do? Here's your, I, want, I want to like just like wave a wand and absolve. Sometimes there isn't a right answer. Okay. Sometimes there, it, you're going to get different outcomes depending on which choice you make. Okay. And <laughs> I, I know it's so uncomfortable, it's but so you uncomfortable. get to, you get to be the decider. And, and I've, I'm going to pretend that I'm Pooja because she has great advice in these moments. Being a counselor, She says, yes. what do you want? And set <laughs> yeah. an intention for yourself and really keep keep your focus on that, that vision of the thing that you want. I and want that bathroom upstairs to be something I really enjoy using, like enjoy getting ready in, enjoy that space. I've heard you say that consistently throughout the entire okay. process. So and give... I would keep looking for the person that's going to help you get there. Okay. Okay. And find the person that you can trust, not the one who's just telling you what you want to hear. How do you let the others down? 
um, with clarity. Okay. Um, I've decided to go a different way with this project. Thank you so much. For magic words are magic. Never okay. forget them. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Big Cousin Dan. You're most welcome. On that, should we probably answer some listener questions Let's as opposed to my dilemmas? questions. Okay. Give me a ride. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I have a friend who is late for everything. I'm sure all listeners can relate. Mm-hmm. Usually it's 10 to 15 minutes here or there, but last weekend we made brunch plans and she was 45 minutes late. Yes! Fortunately, I had my boyfriend to keep me company while we waited, and we talked about what the appropriate response would be for when she arrived. He wanted to call her out for making us wait so long. I thought that would set a bad tone for the brunch. Of course, when she showed up, the first words out of her mouth were, I'm so sorry, I lost track of time. I felt obligated to say, that's okay, (laughs) because I didn't know what else to say. What do you recommend for a situation like this, or in general for dealing with a friend who's habitually late? She's my friend, so I don't want to be overly rude to her, but I'm starting to think that she doesn't care about wasting my time. Sincerely, Hillary. Ooh. I, what I, don't I like have a about, mother like this. You have a mother like that? Dan totally. <laughs> no, I don't. Selling, no, I don't. <laughs> selling out his mom on radio or on podcast. Um, I don't know, man. I think at some point you got to talk to someone, um, you know, or when they show up, it might be that thing where you say, hey, you know, Ashley, I'm I'm really glad you did remember. Unfortunately, we, you know, we finished. Tim and I now have to go. Yeah. Um, but you know, have a great rest of your day, and let's try to do this again next weekend. I'm, I'm remembering that moment in class when the teacher doesn't show up, and there's the student who knows how long you have to wait before you get to leave without <laughs> getting docked. <laughs> different schools, different amounts of times. But yeah, right. what, what, so maybe like 20 minutes, 20 half hour. Yeah. If you've been sitting at the table and they haven't showed, and there hasn't been a text or a call, I say, I say that after. After 10 minutes of sitting there without them showing up, I definitely order a beverage for sure mm-hmm. if I haven't already done that. And after 15, between 10 to 20 minutes, somewhere in there when you start to get either uncomfortable or like, sense. all right, man, this is pressing on my day. I say somewhere between, um, well, maybe not 10, maybe 15, 15 to 30, yep. depending on who you are <laughs> and, and what your own day mm-hmm. is scheduled like. That's when I order or decide I'm not going to eat there and I text my friend and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I just I did have something I had to do after this. Um, a little worried about you getting here and us being able to really enjoy your time together. Let's just reschedule for a different day. Yeah. Um, if it's not going to go that way, she had her boyfriend there to keep her company. Um, I say enjoy brunch with the boyfriend, you know, yeah. just turn it into your time together. Your friend can show up and, you know, you can let her know, yeah, we've we've got another hour. We can hang out while you order something or you know, we're, we, we're wrapping it up. Yeah, we got we're about wrapping it up. But if you want to order, go for it. If yeah, not. we'll sit with you while you get started. Um, but I, I say take ownership of your time. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of what to say to your friend, all the things we've just said are good things to say. When they apologize, I totally understand the obligation to say that's okay. There are times when if it really is okay, I had my friend Caitlin and I were planning um, an engagement party for another friend and Caitlin wound up being quite a bit late to our meeting. But 
I had nothing else to do that night. Yeah. I got to sit and have a nice tea. I relaxed. I read the paper. So I took ownership of that time as something to turn into something enjoyable rather than something that was stressful. And when she got in and said, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. I can't believe I made you wait this long. I was just like, totally okay. I've been reading the paper. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Like, don't worry about it. It's like my, my view on other people being late is that use the time for something else. You know, if, if a date's late to pick me up, I do my dishes, you know, or I spend a little more time getting ready or I take Benny for a walk, like around the neighborhood really close Mm by. Um, But, you know, it's like you find ways to utilize that time rather than let it just fester. I love that. And I I think that's core advice. Cool. If you need to save the relationship, do you talk to the person later on about the pattern, about the consistent, not the not the shaming when yeah. they do show up that day? The but. ten minute, ten to fifteen minutes late. I think sometimes you just have to get used to people who are that way. They're bad time managers. Um, yeah. They don't think of it as offering offense. I have a couple friends they don't mind who, when people do it yeah, to them. Are like that, and um, it's interesting because I've actually heard feedback from some people that that they see who are like, you know, it's actually a problem when they're late for me because I have a schedule that I'm keeping. And, and quite literally, the, the person I'm thinking of, like the schedule she's keeping is one where there are other people dependent on it. Yeah, and so in it New really York, this is a, a criminal offense. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think if it's, you know, if it's just casual, if you know they're always going to be a half hour late to the dinner party, tell them a half hour early, you know, just or remind them, hey, I'm looking to serve dinner at eight, yeah. so I really need you to show up at seven. We always say to employers, set your employees up for success, set your friends set up for success, friends up for G- success give them too, the yeah. expectation that, that they can fulfill and meet. Um, Hillary, we hope that that helps give you some ideas about how to both handle it um, in the moment and also how to deal with it with your friend uh, either later on or at a different time or if it really starts to affect affect your friendship. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. 
That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners, it's manners with an S, to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question begins, I am 61 years old and recently married. My husband's parents are both alive and well, thank goodness, and recently sent flowers and mass cards for my mother's funeral. The problem is, I've never called them either by their first name or by mom and dad. I've been with them several times, and we simply just talk, and I haven't had to address them. I asked my husband what I should do, and he said, just use their first names. And I'm not comfortable doing that. Someone else said, use Mr. and Mrs., but I'm not sure that's right either. Should I just start the note with thank you and go from there? Any ideas? You have stumped the panel. Almost, almost. <laughs> well, almost. Stumped actually, the panel, and this is one of those. It's it's a classic etiquette problem. Essentially, you, you don't know how to address somebody. But yeah. th- what makes it what adds a, a delicious layer of complication here is that these are people you're incredibly close to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, and and that does that that actually, that complicates the problem. You know what complicates mm-hmm. the problem is mm-hmm. that the answer we would have given is the same as the husband's. I think they're married. She can use the first name, but. What's really hard is, and especially because she checked with him, and he would know whether they uh, were. That's so where formal. I was going. Talk the hard to your part husband. is that she said she's not comfortable doing that. <laughs> yes. Now we have a problem. And because she's done the other thing, she's talked to the husband. She's gotten the answer yeah. from the, the the person who's the intermediate in the relationship. Um, you talk to him, and you take the you take the opportunity the next time you see him. You say, you know, I I, I find this so strange and and maybe deliciously awkward, but. Yeah. When I when it was time to address uh, a thank you card to you, I I realized that I we never talked about what I what I'm going to call you. Here's the thing, though. This thank you card is for her mother's funeral, so she actually, you know, it's it's a sympathy card. It's a it's an it's acknowledgement, a acknowledgement of, of a sympathy, sympathy card. card. So she actually does kind of want to get it right and do the the proper thing with it, and. I'm not sure she can wait to write the card. So if if this isn't if the if you Awkward. don't see them regularly enough to ask the question in a a, a socially manner. in a socially casual and comfortable way, yeah, um, you can always defer to the more formal standard. That's never gonna be wrong. That's and true. Just use the 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 titles and the that names the way you would. Formal though, these are your new parents. And they might feel like that's introduced some distance in the relationship. I don't think they're going to take offense, particularly okay. in a, an acknowledgement of a sympathy card. Most people aren't going to be looking for that to be a, a point of contention. So here's the answer is that you can either go defer to the formal, which is what we always say, mm-hmm. or I say that because the husband yeah. gave the permission, I would go if, – if I were in your situation, I would – just bite the bullet and go with writing dear f- and use their first names. L- listen to the absolutely. Yeah. My my advice would start there. If listen she can to get comfortable with that, if you can't, if you just can't yeah. reconcile that with yourself, you're okay using the titles for now. It's also really, really okay to talk to them about it. It's it, this yeah, isn't a high stakes situation, and they might come up with a really fun. They might there might be a term of affection Aww, <laughs> that, that they really, really like and enjoy. Regardless, um, congratulations on your marriage, and we are so sorry to hear about the passing of your mother. But we hope that you have a little bit of solace in an answer to your question that could go either way. You're going to be in good stead. Our next question has to do with setting up a home. It begins, I was given a cake and a Pyrex dish and a hydrangea as a welcome to the neighborhood gift. I was going to return the Pyrex dish with a thank you note, but a few friends have said it was part of the gift. Is it? (laughs) What would you do? If it's not a gift, I don't want my new neighbor to think I kept her dish. 
Lisa. Oh, Lisa, I understand this one. Definitely don't assume that it's a gift because you're right. Exactly. If you don't want if it isn't a gift and you've kept it, then you kind of already have some strange will, not ill will, but just strange will (laughs) between you and your neighbor. So um, I say never assume, always offer to return. And if they tell you to keep it, then you get a new Pyrex dish. Your mom has a neat little tip or trick oh, about this. she writes her name on the bottom of things. To, to, to make it clear, yeah. Like when she Mine. brings dishes to contribute to these these types of she events. She often puts a sticky note on the bottom of it. And, and then helps the host know who it came from, particularly if they've gotten a lot of these. But right. it's not at all unusual for people to bring a dish that they think is going to be returned. Yeah. And just do remember to let your host know if you did use a sticky note because you don't want that going into a gas oven. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> just saying. Lisa, we hope that helps. And welcome to the neighborhood. Our next question begins, hi, Lizzie and Dan, I hope you can help me with a workplace etiquette question that I struggle with on a daily basis. Every office has one. I call them the wanderer. That one employee who wanders around the office with no sense of urgency about doing their job or letting you do yours by engaging you in seemingly endless conversation about things in their life that are inappropriate for the workplace and or uninteresting in general. My coworkers and I are divided on this. Some will simply avoid the person. Others will remove themselves by sometimes walking out of their own office when trapped in conversations as if they suddenly have to go somewhere hoping that the person doesn't follow. But if you're polite like me, you will, <laughs> sorry, that's great. Um, you will let them talk for an appropriate length of time, but not encourage the conversation by asking questions to show interest in their ramblings. Using my strategy is often a detriment to my productivity, and I would prefer to avoid these interactions altogether. My coworkers and I have a system to be saved. You can send a text message of Mayday to another coworker. If you receive a Mayday text, it means that person is trapped and need to be saved. A phone call will often be enough to get the wanderer to leave. What's the best thing to do when trapped by the wanderer without being rude or mean? Thanks, Kate. Kate, your question is delightful and hysterical and it's one of the sample (laughs) difficult situations that we solve in our business etiquette seminars. This is not not um, not an uncommon situation. And I'm going to give you the the stock standard advice and we'll work out from there. And that's that magic words are magic. It's really time for you to take control of the situation. Put aside any feelings of of victimhood that you might be feeling or like you're you're not in control in this situation because you absolutely are. Um, The magic words are excuse me, pardon me. even I'm so sorry. I, I don't have time right now. But I, I, I oh, really I love that one. I'm so sorry. I don't have time right now to talk. But you know, and maybe I we could grab lunch or something. Magic words make things happen. They get you out of all kinds of difficult situations. Pardon me. I'm working really hard on X, Y, or Z right now. Maybe we could check in about this later. If you stay pretty diligent and pretty consistent about excusing yourself from conversations, uh, people are going to get the message pretty quickly. And if they don't, you just stay consistent and you stay deliberate about your willingness to stay focused on your own work. And um, those social expectations that you feel aren't obligations. And to the extent that, that people are able to 
to leverage your niceness, your willingness to engage, um, you need to be just as willing to disengage and and take control of your professional life and have the confidence to disengage. Yeah, no, and it's 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 a trick, but just remember those magic words because they really are they're the linchpin to to finding the language in the scripts that are okay. going to get you out of those conversations. That's like good advice. But what about the mayday thing? Do you think? I mean, because they're picking up their phone in the middle of a conversation with someone and texting someone else. I think the Mayday thing is kind of rude. All sounded a little strange to me. I thought so. Like, you know. And and it, like and it starts to make a... A game? Uh, yeah. and, and some, make some, fun? Yes. There's a, there's a hint of that. There's a hint of a sort of a looking down your nose. This person doesn't know what's going on. And mm. it's... Gross. And, and, and at the same time, it's a reality. I can understand how, how that could happens. feel playful totally. and how it could start to develop. But but I'd be really careful because if I found out people did that to me, I would be really hurt. I'd be and you want to be careful. Hurt. Yeah. yeah. Just that would not be fun. So, yeah, I love Dan's suggestion. Definitely roll with it. And hopefully you'll have a more productive work day. Our next question makes me just a little bit jealous. It what? begins. Jealous? Oh, because it's brunch. <laughs> I want Greetings. Brunch, <laughs> brunch season is upon us, and we just hosted our first one this year. We informally rotate hosting duties in our friend group, and the event is potluck style, with the host providing a few dishes plus beverages and each family bringing a dish to share. Everybody is very courteous in inquiring about and honoring dietary preferences, and there is usually a concerted effort to make sure that each person, whether dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, etc., has a good selection of dishes to choose from. One couple in particular is vegan, and we constantly keep that in mind when planning events such as this. Though, as you can imagine, coordinating an egg, milk, butter, meat, and honey-free smorgasbord is its own challenge. We are happy to accommodate them. I was vegan myself for a few years, and I know how isolating it is to attend a food-focused event and have no option except fruit and crudite. The problem is that nearly always this vegan couple backs out of events at the last minute. Oh! By this point, everybody has already decided on what to bring to the event, done their shopping, and perhaps done some or all of the preparation. Many friends modify their dishes, choose another option entirely, or cook a second vegan-friendly option based specifically on whether or not this couple says they will attend. However, with the repeated absences of our vegan friends, I'm starting to get exasperated at the wasted time and energy everybody puts into making specially prepared food for these no-shows. How should I address this? Do we stop inviting the vegans? Do we have a chat with them? Is there a third or fourth option that I'm not considering? I don't know how to bring this up with them without sounding whiny about what a drag it is to make vegan food or how difficult it is to think of anything they can eat, neither of which are true, and both of which would serve to alienate them from our omnivorous group. We are perfectly happy to put the extra time and effort into providing options to all of our guests, but doing so for naught is disappointing for everyone. Thanks in advance for your guidance. Regards. Bummed in Brunchland. Oh, bummed in Brunchland. I'm bummed for you. I'm no. I'm not jealous any longer. <laughs> I'm not jealous any longer either. But I do still really want brunch. Um, this this is a really tough one, and yeah. I love I love how accommodating and um, considerate just simply your question is. You know, you're really you know at the end when she's gotten all caps. You know what a drag it is. They, how difficult it is. These are the things that she's saying, like, I don't want it to sound like this. But the truth of the matter is, it is extra steps for us to cook for these people. And I want to do that if they're going to be here. But if they're not going to be here, I don't want to have to do the extra work. This is 
really rude behavior because <laughs> it puts the, the host parts, in a really yeah. difficult situation. It really does. Um, and man, that's that's definitely tough. I think that um, you know, obviously, the harsh answer is yes. Yeah, stop inviting them. Yeah, it's option one. Option one. Stop inviting them. But if you don't, if you if you really truly enjoy this family's. Um, time and you, you love spe- you're sorry you enjoy their company and you love spending time with them you want to keep them you included really want to keep them included then i think it's one where you just need to talk to them and say you know i've noticed that the past three, four, five brunches, you guys have said you're coming and then and then kind of cancel the day before or, you know, the morning of. And it's just it's starting to become a little bit difficult on food prep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone's taking into consideration that you you all are going to attend and they're making vegan dishes for you. Um, that way you're not saying difficult dishes. They're doing extra dishes for you. It's just they're making vegan dishes for you. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't show up, you know, it kind of feels like, oh, Okay, so I didn't need to make that dish. Yeah. Um, and I think if you said something like that, that and even that, you know, that's that's the harsher side of what I normally advise you say. Yeah. And I think it's because it is a little bit of a difficult a, a difficult one to to put lightly. Yeah. Um, but I would say something along those lines and say, you know, we really want to have you guys be a part of brunch, but we kind of need if you're if you're gonna say yes, we need it to be a firm yes by. The day before. I like that sort of the firm yes category. Yeah. It <laughs> needs to be a firm yes. Um, th- that it's not just like, oh, I'd love to come to that brunch. Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it. I, I, yeah. I want a little bit of – I want some investment, some commitment. Right, because at that point you've bought everything to make. I mean, you know. Well, and as a host, I mean, you're co- you've got a whole group of people coordinating and you don't want to – you want to help yeah. them not end up the social pariah. You, and, you don't want people to feel exasperated and how difficult they are. And, well, and it's like not just the host is making the food for these people. It sounds like the other guests sometimes will take care of bringing a vegan vegan dish or two themselves. And that it really does start to become just really inconsiderate on this one family's part if they are ditching out on this brunch where people are going the extra length to make nice food for them. I want to know what happens when the vegans host. Like, do people just not show up to them? And and I'm, I'm assuming that they aren't being asked to cook meat or to make things with eggs and cheese in them. So they might not be experiencing the same kind of um, uh, preparation that goes into their attending brunch because obviously the dish that they would bring would be a vegan dish. I don't meet a lot of vegetarians and vegans who cook meat or will work with meat even. Some of them will, some, but I, I haven't met very many who do. But a lot aren't going to want to serve out of their kitchen. So they meat might, meals. yeah, and they might, they might totally be fine with you bringing meat over or um, that sort of thing. Obviously, they're fine with meat being served and, and, and eggs and cheese being served in other dishes, um, but not the ones made for them. And I'm just wondering if maybe they don't have the same perspective because they aren't ever having to yeah. prepare for a different dietary need. And, and, and aren't playing that role of host. And that might, they might modify some of their perspective hosted, a bit also. Even if they hosted... Mm. All the dishes that they host with are going to be vegan dishes if, if they're the types of vegans who don't cook with yeah. with products that they're not comfortable digesting or eating themselves. But it sounds like all the guests are going to bring dishes also. So, right, yeah. right. But but I'm just saying like all the other all the other times when the other guests who, who eat dairy and meat host, 
They are trying to create a vegan dish to accommodate these guests that are coming to their house. Whereas the vegans, when they are, do you yeah, see yeah. where I'm coming with yeah. it now? When the, when the vegans host, huh. they're probably not doing anything to accommodate anybody else because all the things that they eat are things everyone else can eat. That is a really interesting. So they just might not have the perspective that everyone else actually goes through a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. You're with option, me now. O- option four is uh, emerging, and 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 I don't know how not you would execute it as a thing four. to do, it's but just, it's a it's, it's a curious perspective. It's just a perspective to bear in mind that they yep. might not have the perspective of oh everyone's <laughs> going through a lot to make sure we have a yeah. good amount of food at the table. I, that's to me that's um, an argument in the favor of having the chat. Yeah, and, that's and, what I'm saying. It, totally, and, and make, <laughs> make the chat as low stakes as possible. I think I, I think we're coming around to that. It's it's. I mean, this is brunch. This is supposed to be fun. In just fact, touch base with them. The thing uh, that I just said, <laughs> don't say that in the chat. Just be aware of the fact that yeah. they just might not get it. So it's okay to bring it up to them that say, you know, hey, it would just be good to know because yeah. it it does take all of us a little bit more to to prepare a vegan dish, and we're happy to do it because we love having you here and we want you to eat. Yep. And you as Someone who was vegan, um, bummed in Brunchland, can actually say, "Man, do I get it!" But I and, just and you're not treating them this way because they're vegans. No, it's not because they're vegans that you said I need to be sure you're coming. It's because they didn't show up a couple times, right? And that definitely earns them the if discussion. They were paleo, <laughs> and and you were constantly making these paleo dishes for them. You would say the same thing. It doesn't matter that they don't eat meat and eggs and cheese, yep. you know, or honey as well. But it's um. Yeah, it's I, I definitely think that you can have this conversation and it's just focus on the fact that you need their yes to be a firm yes. Mm-hmm. And it's OK if they give that, you know, a couple days like if as a group come up with a time frame that you'd be OK receiving that yes by and having them confirm mm-hmm. by. And I say make it close. You know, at this point, y'all have been brunching together for a little while. You got some vegan dishes up your sleeves. I'm pretty sure you can make this work on a day or two's notice. So that would be my suggestion. Or to stop inviting them, but that's tough. (laughs) I think that's that's really tough. (laughs) Anyway, we hope brunch is a little bit better next weekend. Mm, Trisha makes the best hollandaise. I know. That's my mother. (laughs) I really want brunch now. We may have to stop somewhere on the way back from the studio. I'm down. Won't you have some jelly roll? Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. In today's postscript, I want to take a minute to introduce you to one of my favorite books about rudeness and bad behavior, and it's called The Cost of Bad Behavior, How Incivility is Damaging Your Business and What to Do About It. This book was written by Christine's Pearson and Porath, and it's really a remarkable uh, 
It's a remarkable look at some academic research that they did, and they looked at incidents of incivility in the workplace and how it affected people. And then they did a, a quantitative analysis. They used worker productivity values and oh, wow. time multipliers to to estimate what the costs are of incivility or rude behavior in the workplace to organizations of all different sizes, from the, the absolute biggest global corporations to small businesses, from Cisco and Starbucks to the Emily Post Institute, small family business. I learned a lot from this book. One of the the things that I really learned was they use a definition for incivility or for rude behavior that I found very useful because rudeness can be hard to 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 get clear about, to be specific about yeah, what, what it is because it, it means sure. different things to different people. So What's their in this book, they said, or they defined incivility as, and I'm quoting, the exchange of seemingly inconsequential, inconsiderate words and deeds that violate conventional norms. And it's it's such a a soft definition. That's I know. Interesting. And they even talk about why they chose to the use word the seemingly. word seemingly. So later on in the page, and this, we did not set this up. They, this is actually all fresh. They reply, we incorporated the term seemingly inconsequential into our definition of incivility because we discovered that it didn't manifest the sort of blatant harmful intent that appears in incidents of workplace aggression and violence. Wow. It, rude behavior is bad. But it's not so bad <laughs> that someone's going to say something to you about it, fear you over it, turn and run the other way or or do something Set up that a lawsuit. makes yeah. such a strong impression that you have to deal with it. It's almost worse because they're these minor offenses. They're the seemingly I inconsequential infractions. The times I've had them done to me, I focus way more on those than the things in my life that have ever been big, hard, difficult, like, in-your-face problems. Yes. And that's because those things, it's so gosh darn clear. The others, it's like you need other people to validate that this was terrible. What am I going to do about it? <laughs> and yeah. what they talk about in this book, they, they talk about how it incidents of rudeness and incivility affect the witnesses as much as they affect the person that experiences it. I agree. These, these seemingly inconsequential offenses inspire the fight or flight response so they they inspire the emotional responses that we're all um, subject to no. and because they seem inconsequential we sometimes don't feel good about those emotional responses don't know how to deal with them don't know how to process them and it's really difficult and the thing that you talked about the, um, some of the costs of bad behavior when we talk about uh, did you leave your job over it? Very right. small percentage do. Did you lose work time worrying? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Did you lose work time avoiding the instigator? Yes. <laughs> did you cause other people to lose work time by talking to them about it? Did you yeah, become a, did it become a distraction more broadly? Or here, here's another one that's surprising. Did you intentionally decrease your work effort? Well, if that's the way they feel about it or if that's the way they behave on that project, I'm just going to do this or I'm going to do something else or we'll see when they get that. Interesting. The, the cost of bad behavior and, and boy, when you start putting productivity time multipliers on those, someone witnesses a boss yell at someone when they sit down at their desk. The next thing they're thinking isn't what do I do? It's I can't believe she just talked to him that way. Right. Cost of bad behavior right there. But – the book is amazing. I want to talk more about that at some point. Yeah. But it's this this idea that rudeness isn't so bad and that makes it worse that I really wanted to <laughs> share with people today because it was a it, it, it changed my perspective a little bit. And it made me take more seriously the little things. And yeah. we often talk about taking our, our 
impressions of rude behavior that we see other places and thinking about them ourselves. I want to take this this opportunity to think broadly about the concept of rudeness that you might see other places and mm. take a moment to think about it myself <laughs> because <laughs> it, it really is. It's the little things that matter and they, they add up in the end and they have an impact. Well, it's definitely food for thought and I think it'll definitely make us all a little bit more aware. Good postscript, Dan. Aw. <laughs> You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? We like to end every awesome etiquette episode on a positive note by giving an etiquette salute to one of our listeners. This week we had a, um, I thought it was it was quite a glowing salute this from Amanda. Really it was very sweet. So without further ado, dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for providing your podcast listeners with the opportunity to nominate candidates for the awesome etiquette salute. It's great to hear about people who have made their lives and the lives of those around them better by simply making thoughtfulness a priority. I would like to nominate my boyfriend, George, for an awesome etiquette salute. George was able to effortlessly set me at ease from the very first time we met. George and I met through an online dating website about seven months ago. I had met other men during my foray into online dating before meeting George, and the first thing that clearly set him apart from the others was his impeccable manners. Not only was he considerate to suggest a place that would be convenient for me, show up on time, and pick up the check, but he led the conversation into lighthearted and easy topics that were appropriate for a first meeting. He showed genuine interest in what I had to say and gave a first impression of someone who was happy, confident, and fun to be around. At the end of the date, he didn't put me on the spot by asking me for a second date or even for my phone number, but sent me a message through the website thanking me for a lovely evening, sharing his personal contact information, and asking me for a second date at that time. After this first encounter with George, I confided to my mother that no matter what the outcome, my bar had been raised. A higher standard had been set, and I would only want to date someone as considerate and as much of a gentleman as George. As I've gotten to know George better over the past several months, he has proven again and again that awesome etiquette is a guiding principle of his life. He has a huge circle of considerate, thoughtful friends. He has an ex-wife who has shown me genuine warmth and even volunteered to keep their nine-year-old daughter on Valentine's Day so that he and I could spend it together. After a very pleasant dinner at a sandwich shop with his daughter, where she proved herself to be as engaging and friendly as her father, she even offered to take my trash for me. I really do believe it is the good manners that George was brought up with that come across in absolutely everything he does and define him as an exceptional person, and this is why I am nominating him for an awesome etiquette salute. Sincerely, Amanda, Austin, Texas. Is that not just a glowing salute? I want to nominate Amanda for an etiquette salute for writing such a remarkable, thoughtful, and heartwarming etiquette salute. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And girl, you give me hope. (laughs) There are men like George out there. Truly a Amanda, that 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 was um, so in the spirit of the etiquette salute. You you really brought a little um, you, you you brought a little warmth to my heart today. Thank you. <laughs> Don't start trying to fall. Just keep being you. There's something very special about everything you do. No matter what you try to be, it's what you really are. And when you know that light, get to know you shine like.
lots of love and all is bad babe. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. And remember, if you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it and Facebook post it. And, of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. In fact, that is the best way to say thank you. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Hey, I